Radio Mano Papachango. Chris here, back in Topanga after six weeks or so out on the road in the van, uh, ending with the eclipse and um, Burning Man. Oh my God, Burning Man. Uh, That was an interesting experience. If you're wondering what it was like, uh, yeah, this will give you a sense. Just, yeah, this. This is what it was like. I'll just imagine giant trucks full of speakers driving all around all night long parking next to your van where you're trying to sleep and now add dust lots of dust uh lots of sexy girls sexy sexy girls but you're so covered in dust and sweat that the last thing you want to do is touch anyone or be touched by anyone um, yeah, that's kind of, that's what it sounds like anyway. Um, Burning Man. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be thinking about that for a long time. I can't claim a few days after leaving that I've got any, uh, definitive statements on what Burning Man is or was or will be. Um, it's kind of, as I think about it, it's kind of like everything in its opposite. I, I've heard a, a lot of the cliches start to make sense. I've heard people say many times, I love it and hate it. I can understand that. There's a lot to love and there's a lot to hate. Um, the first night out on the playa, I was with a couple of very close friends and we were riding around on this bicycle that Oliver made. It was Oliver and Cheryl. Oliver's the guy who helped me put the van together. And he made this uh, sort of rickshaw bicycle and the three of us were pedaling around out there. And it's just incomprehensible how just this this incredible explosion of creativity and light and engineering and organizational genius uh, that puts this place together in a few weeks and then people show up and it's a just explosion as I said and then it's over and right now people are out there like cleaning up the last bits and then it'll just be an empty lake bed in the desert again for another 10 and a half 11 months until people come and start preparing for the next one so it's amazing it really is amazing you uh that first night it's just impossible to wrap your head around the vast scale of it all and how people pulled this off. And I got to say, I spend a lot of time, as you know, um, pissing on Homo sapiens and feeling sort of ashamed of our species for all the mistakes we've made and then the sucker moves we've been pulled into and the, the scams that we've sacrificed our lives in pursuit of obvious scams by the way, so many of them, once you sort of start to look for scams, they're everywhere. But 
out there that first night, I looked around and I felt kind of proud. I felt like, God damn, we're a clever ape. We can do some really amazing things. And we can, you know, I always decry how if hippies were able to organize themselves, the world would be a better place. And Burning Man is a place where, I don't know if we're calling them hippies or anarchists or, or what they want to call themselves, but the people who run Burning Man uh, are masters of organization. They get that shit done and they keep people alive for the most part and they um, set up a structure within which people can have a good time and survive uh, for seven days in the desert. Now, having said that, that's the positive. Uh, and I've mentioned the sexy women. And a lot of the, the sexiness of the women is that they feel safe. They feel honored. Uh, they can wander around topless and they're not going to get hassled. And uh, it, it seems like it's a very sort of safe environment uh, for people. Of course, there are exceptions. But in general, people seem to be feeling very relaxed. And that allows a flourishing of all sorts of beautiful things, including a more open expression of sexuality. Now, on the other hand, it's anything but green. And this is the biggest, I don't know if I want to say waste, but it's certainly uh, an incredible amount of fuel being burned out there for amusement. Uh, I'm talking about the electricity that goes into all the lights that are everywhere, I'm talking about the fuel running these trucks and these art cars. I'm talking about the fuel that runs these giant speaker systems that are all playing the boom, 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 boom music all night. I'm talking about the the energy that, you know, everyone's burning in their camps, the cooking and the air conditioning. And the, the it's just a massive amount of energy. And it's anything but like a bunch of people surviving in the desert. It's a bunch of people who go to Trader Joe's fill up their fucking vehicle with stuff from Trader Joe's and elsewhere and go in the desert and like, you know, camp out for a few days and then leave. Nobody's surviving out there. There's nothing survives out there. I, I think I saw one bug the whole time I was out there, some wayward dragonfly that got lost somewhere near Reno. There's very little life out there. It's like a foreign planet. And when the dust storms hit and you're like hiding in your vehicle and you hear people screaming and it's like, oh, my God, do I go out on the surface of the planet and try to save people? And, you know, it's it's pretty, pretty otherworldly. Um, so all in all, a very interesting experience. I don't know that I'll do it again. I think it's one of those things that you sort of at least for me, you see it and it's like you have your holy shit moment but then it's diminishing returns. The next night it was like, okay, this is still amazing, but now I've seen it before. And, you know, ride around out on the playa and check things out and like, oh, yeah, that's still cool. And that's cool. And the other thing's cool. And, yeah, a lot of people out of here, pretty cool. And then the next night it's like, okay, you yeah, know, same thing. More people, more art cars because I got there early. Uh, and as the week goes on, more and more people show up. And... uh yeah, and then the drugs, uh, a lot of people are doing a lot of drugs out there. And, you know, I'm not a prude about drugs, but I feel like at least 
speaking for myself, the drugs that I'm interested in and have been interested in, particularly psychedelics, are, uh, which is sort of the class of drugs that most people seem to be into at Burning Man, those, uh, to me, those substances are uh, mostly the the value of those substances is in their ability to open the filters of the mind and allow more input. And so when I am going to experience those substances, I want to be in a place that is so lovely and beautiful and comfortable and safe and and just joyful that I want more of that to come into me. I want to open uh, what does Blake say? Fling open the, the, um, the doors of perception, right? And allow more to come in. Uh, on that desert, I don't want more to come in. I want less to come in. I want less dust. I want less discomfort. I want less um, uninvited, redundant, not particularly interesting music. Um you know, there, there are aspects of the experience that are sensually delightful, particularly the lights, no pun intended, but a lot of the experience is discomfort, which I understand is part of the trip. And people say, you know, that keeps it cool and that keeps, you know, whiners from like me from showing up. And um, I get it. I get that there's a value in that, but it doesn't make me want to trip is what I'm saying. It doesn't make me want to take drugs that are going to heighten my experience of those things. Uh, as opposed to rivers that I was camping next to in Idaho and hot springs and waterfalls and ponds and lakes and beautiful, clean, wonderful environments that makes me want to let more in, you know? So, Anyway, all in all, uh, for now, I guess I'll just leave it at that. I wanted to give you some sort of a report, even though it's very embryonic, because, you know, I suspect this might be like women describe giving birth. You know, if you talk to them a week after they had the baby, they're like, fuck that, never again. Uh, but then, you know, a year or two later, they've decided to have a baby again. So maybe I'll go back. I, I kind of imagine the thing that could take me back is if I... If I'm with someone who really wants to experience it and really wants to go with me, um, maybe I would go back with them, you know, just to to give them that experience um, and share it with them. But as for myself, probably not. I'm not sure. Uh, anyway, this episode is with a couple of guys um, Ryan and Matt, who head up a group called uh, VET. I think it's Veterans for Entheogenic Therapy. I met these guys in Colorado. They're doing really important work. Ryan is a, an ex-Marine. Um, he'll, you'll hear his story. He, he, it's funny. You see this guy, and he looks like an ex-Marine. He's like, you know, just totally looks the part. Uh, and actually that him looking the part plays an interesting role in this whole story, as you'll hear. Um, but um, he and, and Matt, uh, who was not in the military, if I'm remembering correctly, but um, they teamed up and they're doing uh, a lot of work trying to 
bring ayahuasca therapy to veterans who suffer from PTSD and who have been unresponsive to other treatment protocols. So these are guys who are in real trouble, who are suffering a lot from their experiences uh, and nothing's working for them. The meds aren't working. And so Ryan is, Ryan and Matt are working hard to help these guys get access to, uh, I think it's a three-day um, experience in Florida with an ayahuasca church down there. It's totally legal, totally legit. Um, I've held on to this episode for a while because they're so urgently doing this work that some of their paperwork wasn't quite in order. Uh, they had the, I guess they had applied for their nonprofit status, but it hadn't been granted yet. And I didn't want to throw this up uh, without them having everything in order because I'm hoping that some of you, if you have some extra cash lying around, uh, will contribute to this. Now, I've already contributed $500 uh, directly from the podcast support account. So, you know, I said a few episodes back that I, I pass along 20% or more of the money that you guys send me. And uh, so... If you're supporting this podcast financially, you can know that some of your money went toward um, this program. It costs about 500 bucks for each vet to fly out, uh, you know, for the flights, the accommodation, the, the counseling sessions, and then the follow-up. So it's about 500 bucks per, per vet. So I contributed that from the account. So thank you for making that possible. Those of you who contribute financially to the podcast through Patreon or through donations or however you do it. And those of you who don't have the cash, don't worry about it. I really appreciate the other kinds of support that you throw my way with reviews and just telling friends about the podcast or whatever you do. Uh, so that's it. I guess I'm not really going to talk much more. I'm going to be pumping out probably two podcast per week for a while because I've got a pretty big backlog and uh, I don't want people to have to wait too long uh, and also it's kind of nice to just get them out when they're fresh and I've got more coming up I've got like 10 I think here I've got so these guys and then I'm going to do Godi who's uh, from the Congo he was at the the farm in North Carolina and then I'll probably do Lyle who was also at the farm that'll finish up the the North Carolina spark root farm thing and then we've got Amy Baldwin, the sex educator in Santa Cruz, Jim Fadiman, the sort of guru of microdosing LSD, Tim Scully, who was um, famous in the 60s and 70s as one of the most prolific acid cooks in the world. He produced millions of hits of LSD, hoping to lead the world to a better place that uh, I went up to Mendocino and hung out with him. And then I've got a couple of good friends of mine in um, Portland, Oregon, Liam and Allison. They have um, some amazing stories to tell. Uh, yeah, I won't even tell you about that. David Beckingham, uh, a, a singer songwriter. You've heard some of his music on the podcast. He drove down with his friend from Vancouver and the two of them hung out with us uh, near Mount Hood and we watched the eclipse and camped out for a few days. And uh, Michael Aranda, who's a sort of a YouTube star, I met up in Missoula, Montana. And then I recorded a podcast with the great Duncan Trussell in Portland. 
If you haven't checked it out and you're interested, you should check out the Duncan Trussell Family Hour and you'll see the podcast he and I recorded uh, live at the Flow Tank Festival there. And then he and I recorded another podcast for me, for my show, in my room the next day. And that was a raucous affair. Uh, for pa- Patreon supporters, there's already a video up of, of that podcast with Duncan. Now, I don't know if I should continue doing these videos or not. I, I need some feedback from you. I look at the, the um, views that are registered on Patreon, and most of them, yeah, they get a few dozen views, not a lot. I think there are maybe 390 Patreon supporters at this point. Um, so that's a pretty small percentage of the Patreon people who are bothering with the videos. I guess most of you just listen to this on audio. Um, I don't know. Let me know. Is it worth it to keep doing the videos or should I just drop that? Cause it does add a fair bit to the workload. I got to edit the videos and upload them and, um, yeah, it's more equipment and all that. So I don't know if it's, if it's really worthwhile. You let me know what you think. Um, And also, if you're not a Patreon supporter, let me know as well. Maybe I'll just put them all up for free and, you know, for everybody. I don't know. I'm trying to find ways to sort of nudge you toward supporting the podcast on Patreon without being an asshole about it. So (laughs) let me know if you you think of good ways to do that as well. Uh, Yeah, Patreon is by far the best way to support the podcast because I know what the monthly budget is. So it's like, oh, I could fly to you know, Michigan to interview this guy. And, but I have to know, like, do I have money coming in from this next month or what? So that's a, that's a good way to do it. Anyway, I'm going to shut up now and uh, let Ryan and Matt talk to you about their program. Thanks so much for listening. I'm going to upload this and then I think I'm going to record a Roma because I've been getting a lot of good emails recently with some juicy comments and questions, which I appreciate. So thank you, everybody. And uh, what song am I going to play here? I think I'm going to I'm going to play a song you may have heard before if you listen to the podcast. I play it on the Fourth of July sometimes. It's a "Flag" by Ed Dupas or Dupas. I don't know how he pronounces it. D U P A S. Uh, he listens to the podcast and he sent me this song a while ago. It's from his album "A Good American Life." And uh, listen to the words. You'll understand why I picked this one. Thanks for listening, and I will catch you next episode. The flag goes up as the sun comes down. Jets go by. Before we hear the sound Rise to our feet As if to say Red, white, and blue Till our dying day The flag waves high When the tax man comes He says you gotta pay be someone Yeah, it'll cost you plenty If you want to stay Red, white, and blue Till you die day Now the flag hangs still 
sitting in a park in Denver, Colorado. Actually, it's not Denver. What is this? Wheat Fields or Wheat, wheat, Ridge. wheat Ridge? Wheat Ridge. Wheat Ridge, just outside of Denver, with uh, Matt and Ryan, and uh, what's the name of the organization? Veterans for Entheogenic Therapy. Veterans for Entheogenic Therapy. And for those of you, I, I can't imagine there's anyone who listens to this podcast who doesn't know what entheogens are <laughs> by now. Ryan, you want to give that? Yeah, so it, it's basically the divine within. Um, right. It's a new form. I've the inspiration behind it was working with um, psychedelics, but a very specific subgroup of psychedelics that deal strictly with natural, the natural form of the psychedelics. So right. we work with DMT, but really we're talking about the ritual use of psychedelics through indigenous medicine. Right. For yeah. for healing and and yeah. what you guys are working with particularly is PTSD. Absolutely. Is that the the main focus of what you're doing? Yeah, and it's a su- it's also a subgroup of PTSD. It's a, a set of veterans that we screen are the ones that have tried therapy at the VA for 6 months or more. So right. it's a chronic treatment resistant PTSD. Right. And that manifests as what um anxiety attacks, oh, totally. sleep disorders, yep. sexual disorder, um, triggers, triggers, things depression, like, yeah, depression, depression's certainly. a big one, addiction, right. 
Right. Yes, yeah, so sort of. I follow the clinical APA model for treatment of PTSD, which is um, for those who are listening. I, I have an MA in uh, transpersonal psychology, but it's mindfulness based and it's clinical. And this is from Naropa. This is from Naropa. Right. We were yep. just talking before I turned the mics on about Naropa Institute in Boulder. Yep. Beautiful Boulder. The, I actually, when I when I was looking at grad schools, I uh, I went to Naropa and, and cool. toured it and. Uh, I remember they had these rooms with color therapy. Yeah. Do they still do that? Yep. Yeah. Yep, they sure do. Yeah. They was, actually opened up a. Uh, so we have three campuses. The Arapahoe is for undergrads, and then the the Nalanda is where the arts. Uh, that's a brand new building, and that's where those color therapy rooms are. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was. I mean, they must have moved them because I was there in the early '90s. Oh wow! So I have no idea. Yeah, Nolanda was just point. built a few years ago. Yeah. To so expand. no, Ryan, you're you're a former Marine as well. Yes, sir. And where yeah. were you based, and what what did you do? So I was an infantryman, uh, 0311 rifleman, and uh, I served four years on active duty at the height of the Afghan war. All right, cool. So I just uh, I interrupted Ryan there because we were getting weird wind noise. Colorado, you know, there's a lot going on in Colorado, wind and storms. And I was in the airport yesterday. I went to take a piss, and there's a big sign saying "tornado shelter." Like, really? It happens here. So you get a tornado, everyone has to go stand in the men's room? Yeah. That's, I'd oh, rather man. be in the you fucking the tornado. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> sweep me away. <laughs> uh, you get all four seasons in Colorado in one day. Yeah, That's yeah. the saying here. It's pretty intense, huh? Yep. Yeah. I'm heading up into the mountains tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, today we're going to uh, Nederland, Nederland. Special. Yeah. Check out the dead man, the frozen dead man yeah. exhibit. Yeah. Love it. My and friend then, lived up there, so she's going to take me and show me around. And then we're going up to uh, Crestone. Oh, my God. You been up there? Yeah, we do uh, peyote circles with vets. Oh. With the Lakotas. Right, yeah. right. Well, I know there's like a lot of sacred oh, people, totally. you know, uh, spots and, and Buddhist temples yep. and stuff. So, yeah, I've, I've yeah. heard a lot about Crestone, so I'm going to go check it out. You'll love it, man. Anyway, uh, I interrupted you. So you were talking about your, your service. You were in Iraq, was it, or Afghanistan? I was in the Marine Corps. So I served in the infantry for four years. And while I was stationed, uh, after I finished ITB in 2007. ITB. Sorry, uh, infantry training school. You fucking military guys. <laughs> <in your laughs> acronyms, man. So I, I was out a couple of weeks ago. I was out with a buddy of mine who was a SEAL. And another guy who was a Marine Special Forces guy. Oh, Marsoc. Yeah. And it's like they were talking another fucking language. <laughs> I've been trying to catch this guy's jargon for the last couple I've months now, too. Out. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll put, like, Lima Charlie out there, and I'll give a little translation in a text message. So I'm kind of getting him in. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you finished IT. I finished ITB. ITB. Infantry Training Battalion. Okay. And... Uh, after I graduated, I was set to deploy to Afghanistan with 1st Battalion, 6th Marines out of Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. And uh, I was hand-selected to become a body bearer in D.C., so carrying caskets at Arlington. So wow. I did that for uh, three years. I also worked at the White House, Secret Service UD, provided security for the White House. Um, this is during Obama. This is during Obama. I was actually at the inauguration. Uh, really? Providing security for Obama. Yeah. Wow. I saw the changeover. And then, uh, like I said, carrying caskets was something that sort of led me into this path of just recognizing the sacrifice and the suffering that vets go through and their families yeah. doing all these funerals and handing the flags off. I still remember all the movements and the, and the uh, conversations with families handing the flag off, and it just left its imprint on me. 
And I also come from a really uh, heavy military background. I grew up 20 years as a military brat. My dad did 20 in the military and uh, saw his change, his transition from the first Gulf War he was in. And then my grandfather, who was a former Marine at 16 in the Battle of Iwo Jima. So it's, it's in my blood. And I always give my dad shit because he was in the Air Force. And I'm like, I guess the Marine Corps skipped a generation, Dad. <laughs> but uh, it's something that's a long time coming for me to sort of segue into um, finding alternatives that aren't working at the VA and having my dad and, and my lineage support it and be like, you know, we're military, we're trained to find a way through things. And if the VA's right. not doing it, we're going to do it ourselves. Right. So that's an interesting... Uh Approach because I imagine. Well, tell me if I'm wrong, but I imagine military culture looks at something like ayahuasca or DMT and they just say it's drugs, it's wrong, it's bad. Right? right. There's a very sort of black white approach to. I mean, the kind of stuff we're talking about here is is generally seen as sort of a hippie, right? You know, left. Uh, yeah. You know, approach to this, and and here you're bringing it to one of the most conservative. Um, aspects of American culture. I imagine you run into some trouble there. It sounds like your family wasn't. Uh, no, my family system. was. My family was open to it, especially my dad. He still does contracting work in Tampa at McDill Air Force Base, and you know he's a G, he's in a GS position. He's part of the government, and he's he has to be real careful about what he says to me still right. to this day. But he's also like, fuck it, man. Our vets are dying. They're killing themselves at yeah. 22 every day. 22 to 50. A 22 day. to 50. Right. They, they say 22, but it's 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 likely. You know, there's a, a VA report that was released in 2012 that, um, that that Ryan and I have extensively looked over. That it's it's an incomplete report. That it only includes 21 states. Doesn't include California. Doesn't include Texas. Guess me? where all of the vets live. So that that stat, like one vet an hour, which you know, I think it's most of us probably, have seen around, it's probably, it's probably two. double it's, that. It's probably two. Yeah. yeah. No yeah. kidding. So uh, we do the math. We break so out our iPhones uh, anywhere between eight thousand and eighteen thousand um, per year. Yeah, we lost pandemic. more to suicide than the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. We're sure. we're at a whole new uh, war here in the homes in the homeland. Yeah. And it's an internal war. So we almost looked at that report as a as a plea. The VA saying, hey, you know, we don't have an answer for this. Y'all yeah. need to help us collectively. We need help. Right. You know, we need help integrating the Marines back to, uh, or the servicemen back to uh, everyday life, um, you know, and, and giving them the support and, and, and create the awareness and the buzz that, that this is indeed a problem that, that they can't keep in-house anymore. Right. Um, that's why I don't think that Ryan's ran into as much, because what's the alternative? The alternative is, is, is this pandemic getting worse, you know? Yeah. Mm. So. Yeah, it's funny how, how the things that get attention and don't, you know, like we're talking about thousands of people dying every month every couple of months mm -hmm. i mean if you yeah. break it down and yet like if one person gets shot by and you know right. an iraqi and you know whatever it's terrorism and it's on right. the front page of everything it's it's just really crazy i mean i'm not saying anything we haven't all heard but it's yeah. just weird the way attention doesn't get allotted to the major you know how many airplanes full of vets is that crash into the ground every right. week you know? yeah like that whatever might as well just bring them up in the air and crash the plane because yeah. that's what's that's what we're facing today and, yeah 
And to go back to your your military point and being in conservative country, I grew up conservative, uh, libertarian, right leaning, and my dad's the same way. And he's always been like, you know, it takes the left wing and the right wing for a bird to fly. And he right. he recognized the need for the left side too. Yeah. And that's always been my experience: is you can work with every every institution that's out there. And for military, the most I've gotten, I've given talks at National Naval Medical Center in Bethesda, Maryland, mm. with Dr. Sue Sisley, who's hitting up a marijuana PTSD study. And she's right. been a huge help with me in, in drafting my protocol to the IRB that we're now trying to look at ayahuasca for PTSD. And m more, more often than not, I have medical officers that are active duty in the military that walked up to me after my talk and said, we can't be explicit about supporting this, but we're out of options, like Matt was saying. Right. We can't say that we condone this, uh, but Isn't if it's working weird? and your success rate is there and, and you're why, saving why lives. And why can't they say they condone it? Is it just because it's, it's a drug, it's, it's considered illegal. a drug, yeah. Yeah, which is yeah. another part of what we're covering is the research. If we can, we're also a nonprofit 501 research organization. And with all the anecdotal evidence that we have, with the testimonies that we have, uh, three years of doing this, over 150 vets we've treated with no, with no, you know, uh, bad results coming out of it. Everyone's stayed alive. Everybody's and trending. The, what the PTGI? Yeah, the, the post-traumatic growth inventory is another psychometric we're using as part of these follow-ups. And so uh, you guys are collecting hard data as well. You're yeah. not just doing the clinical work. That's no, great. Yeah, we're and you're associated with maps, right? I saw a photo of you guys with Rick Doblin. So I worked with maps initially. Um, Rick Dobbin was a was a great asset. He actually helped uh, fund two of the vets that we brought down originally uh, during that documentary that CNN did with us uh -huh. back in 2014 with Lisa Ling. Oh uh, right, Lisa Ling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's great. I, she's she's done a lot of good stuff. She's th that new docu uh, mini series. This is life. This is life. She, like, that's gets right. Into the, she gets all good. over the place. She yeah. really covers the the gay cowboy movement. She she's covered <laughs> the opiate abuse in in Mormon country. Really? Yeah. It's that's amazing. Great. And she's like, that's yeah, I'll great. do a story. You know, I got connected through CNN, through Dennis McKenna, was also helping me with, with this protocol and starting to get this uh, draft going. And he's cool. like, Dennis. hey man, get down there with CNN. Uh, my friend Jeffrey is the director, mm. hooked us up and with part two pictures, which I really want to uh, plug in this podcast, is Jeffrey does great work um, going there with people and getting into the, the real nitty gritty of life. Right. Like what's underneath the underbelly of, of society. And one of it was, uh, vets who go down to Peru and drink ayahuasca. So he's like, I want to follow you guys. It was that was great. huge. They brought a camera into the ayahuasca ceremony yeah. to really show the world what it's about. I watched that documentary for the first time a couple months ago with Ryan. And, and uh, you know, it's an accurate depiction of, of that uh, healing shamanic journey. What's the documentary called? Um, this Jungle is Fix. Life. Yeah. Jungle Fix. Jungle mm -hmm. Fix. This is Life. Um, it's on YouTube. You can find it. Good. Um, and uh, yeah, very thorough, uh, very objective. Her work is great, and um, yeah. Yeah, a, not sensationalistic bullshit. You know, no. it, it's so easy to fall into that. But I think yeah, she's pretty legit. So, um, so Matt, what's your what's your connection to all this? Oh are man, you, um, are you military? I'm not. Military? I'm not. No, no. No, um, you seem like a civilian to me. I am very much a civilian. You and me, a couple of pussies <laughs> over here. <laughs> we got one. Yeah. Hey, we need you guys. Yeah. No, no hats. No, no, like macho t-shirts and hats and shit. We're, we're just a couple of guys. Yeah, we're just a couple yeah. of guys. Um, you know, I was. Uh, I had 13 years of corporate experience in uh -huh. Chicago. 
and um, I quit my job in um, December of 2015. I've been traveling for the last year and a half, um, you know, searching for truth, searching for purpose. So you're a fucking hippie is what you yep, are. Yep. Oh, you two are like the odd couple. <laughs> this is great. This is great. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, I was on my travel uh -huh. journey and I uh, spent a lot of time in Central and South America. Uh -huh. um, time uh, last summer here in the Rockies, uh, solo camping trip. Uh, I have a brother that lives in Switzerland, uh, so I spent some time uh, backpacking through Europe last fall and uh, back to uh, Costa Rica this, uh, this uh, spring. And uh, I was at the MAPS conference, or the Psychedelic Science uh, Conference in, in San Oakland. Francisco. Oh, yeah, 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 the yeah, Bay Area. Yeah. And um, you know, I've been really putting out to the universe for the last, last couple of months, or really on my whole journey, is, is, is looking for uh, a place to stand, looking for purpose, looking for um, you know, the true calling, and, and um, you know, coming across Ryan's veteran, uh, or Ryan's organization, uh, I was actually in the process of starting a similar organization and, um, you know, getting Ryan on the phone and, and, and uh, hearing about the work that he's doing and that he's been doing with very little funding, very little applause, um, you know, having 150 vets that, that have been pretty much left for dead to be treated and not just treated, uh, so, you know, some of them are really, really thriving, um, mm -hmm. big time. We have, have loads of testimonials of, of, of people that, you know, um, you know, 100 pounds overweight, taking 50 pills a day to uh, fighting MMA, you know, competitions, you mm -hmm. know, um, and, and not everybody is, is taking on the world, but, but some people are just able to get out of bed and go walk in, in, in nature. And um, right. everyone is benefiting from the PTGI uh, post-traumatic uh, growth index. So uh, for me, uh, this was huge. Uh, and I, I remember I was just, we were just talking about it last night. I was in Grass Valley, uh, California. And, um, you know, after our conversation, it was just doing a lot of, a lot of prayer and a lot of meditation on, on this. And, and, I, and I gave him a buzz and said, hey, I, I'm all in, let's do this. Uh, I want to want to uh, join forces and, and be a part of this. Um, uh, I get the, the the message. I get the medicine. The medicine's been huge for me. Uh, it's been a, a big part of my uh, my healing journey that I've been sharing uh, with the world on my blog. Um, I had a really profound uh, ayahuasca experience um, in uh, was December 28th of 2014, and um, you know I worked a year to, uh, in corporate America to to free myself and. Um, so I get the medicine, I get the power of the medicine. Um, I believe it's uh, Mother Nature's um, you know, remedy against uh, addiction, against um, you know, fear, uh, against uh, trauma, PTSD. And um, yeah, I, it just felt like a great fit to, to jump on board with Ryan and to have a, a true brother to walk this path with and, um, and to help the vets. They need, they need it, they need it. And, um, you know, when I found out the statistics and really looked, read between the lines, this is real. Yeah. This is something that I can I can help and, and use my my business background um, uh, to to good use. Um, you know, again, you know, running my own companies for for uh, the better part of 13 years uh, has prepared me to uh, to to bring the the business side to vet to fundraising to um, you know um, really bringing in my network. I have this. Uh, absolutely beautiful wonderful network of people in chicago that want to help that want to help the vets they want to want to do what's right and um you know i'm going to bring this story to chicago and 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 beyond um to 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 kind of close that gap between civilian and uh, and soldier i think it needs to happen if we're yeah. going to tackle that 22 to 50 
people need to be aware of what's happening. Right, and, and, um, and that the, the current system isn't addressing the issues. Yeah, people see see a guy in uniform in the airport and they want to say, hey, thanks for your service, buddy, and yeah, 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 yeah. But if they really want to do something, this is a way to really engage in a way that would be meaningful. Absolutely, 100%. Uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 So uh, you mentioned your blog. Give, it, give us a... A shout out to the blog yeah. here. What's it called? Uh, Where do people find it? SacredDownload.wordpress.com. SacredDownload.wordpress.com. And what's your full name? Uh, Matthew Simpson. Matthew Simpson. All right. So go go check out Matt's blog for more on that. Man, I, I hope that uh, sometimes Joe Rogan uh, hears guests on this podcast and and picks them up. I would love it if you guys got on his show because he's got. His audience is ten times mine, and and uh, I think it would, he probably has a lot of vets in his audience as well, mm. um, who would, you know, could benefit from this. Uh, you mentioned MFA or MMA or whatever. MFA is Masters of Fine Arts. Mm -hmm. I think that's different. Yeah, a little it? bit different. Yeah, yeah that's more guys, my audience. Guys beating each other up <laughs> versus the <laughs> my audience <laughs> is the MFA. His is the MMA. Yeah, yeah my old uh, platoon commander, uh, First Lieutenant Brian Stan, is an MMA UFC fighter, oh. and he knows he knows Joe real well. Oh, and I right. Served with Lieutenant Stan. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, Joe, pick pick these guys up. <laughs> bring them on your show. That'd be great. Uh, yeah, Joe. I never, I never tell Joe what to do. You know, nobody yeah, tells Joe no, what to do. Yeah. He beats to his own drop. So, yeah, that's exactly. Why he's so exactly. Friendly <laughs> suggestion, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want that evolved ape coming after you. This guy's scary. That's scary. Uh, yeah, I love Joe. He's he's a wonderful dude. I, I made him very uncomfortable last time I saw him. I gave him a hug and I said, uh, "Man, I'd love to give you a massage someday." <laughs> what? How did you react he react to like, that? He was like, "What?" A little take it back. <laughs> what do you mean? I was like, "Nah, your muscles are so developed; it would be really easy." You know, it's like because you know I, I was a massage therapist for years, oh, and you know, know like you massage a woman or or someone just like with undeveloped muscles it's hard because it's like well where is everything you know right it's like working on a car you know like you work on an old chevy you open up the hood and it's like oh it's all right there you right. know you can see everything and somebody who's worked out a lot their musculature is very obvious so like there's hmm. this muscle that goes over that one it's really easy to sort of you know get under it, yeah. i always thought women would be easier no women are much harder wow it's just better to massage a woman well, but that's harder too, you know. Like keep it professional. Yeah, I was. People who listen to the podcast have heard me talk about it before, but I actually had a job massaging fashion models. It's, oh, it's my on God. my resume. It's wow. Yeah, my first client, Femka. Hey, Femka, if you're out there, Femka was a that's Dutch awesome. um, lingerie oh, model. Man, you're a maintained. That's yeah. like a huge test of, of uh, willpower. Willpower. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Well, she was also my buddy's girlfriend, and oh, you know, okay. totally out of my league. So it was kind of like, yeah. you know, it was easier to to focus. Right. But at the end of it, she she went to pay me, and I said, you know, Femka, I think that first one's free because for the rest of my life, I'm going to be telling this story, this is, <laughs> and that's uh, worth more that's than fifty euros. Right there, man. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 
So, so you're bringing you sort of uh, the business savvy and media. You know, you reached out to me, for example. Yeah. And so yeah. good. Looking that's, for, that's for alternative uh, channels. Uh, right. I mean, Ryan's been in the trenches. Um, you know, since since you know wartime and and your service time, he's still in the trenches. You know, he's doing the day to day work and 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 really doing um, you know God's work. You know, and helping these folks that that are, are desperate and really need that help. So uh, right. you know, for me to bring the uh, the kind of the creative, uh, the networking. Um, have you thought of this, 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 and that? And right. and um, you know, our, uh, we've really worked well together in in um, you know uh, prospecting uh, channels to to. To get this message to, because I think right. that that this message is universal. It covers it covers you know the vets, you know, which is obviously the the primary focus is is getting them the treatment. Uh, we have 500 vets that are on this waiting list, chomping at the bit, right. and um, you know Ryan has to cross people off this this list because they can't hold on. Um, you know, there's people that have been on this list for two years, so we're really looking to 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 push forward. Uh, we we feel that uh, ramp it up that that. 250k will clear that list. So um, you're are you doing like a big fundraiser now, or is the con? I'm uh, sure we just started. This thing, is new. Right? We're a, we're a month or two into this process, uh -huh. um, you know, and 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 we're hoping that that this um, is going to be a an outlet that can help us make a splash uh, in, in a positive manner uh, to your audience. And we've reached out to a half dozen dozen other other folks uh, as well. We have uh, fundraiser events planned for uh, Chicago, Milwaukee, and. October and really looking forward to um, you know getting prospective donors to come and hear the story here right. here meet the vets um, you know Ryan's a researcher so he's, he's gonna share the research that he's doing as well and um, and then we could share more of the latest science with these uh, plant medicines that right. are so misunderstood as we all know so let, let's get to the nitty-gritty of this so a, a vet reaches out to you, here's what you're doing is that how it works? They reach out to you, yeah. or are you finding them, or how's they're it coming? They're flocking. Okay, um, so they hear, they've heard from someone like, hey, there's this uh, Amazonian plant medicine that is really helpful for people who are suffering the way you're suffering. Yeah. They get in touch with you. Then what happens? So they they reach out through our our website. Usually it's like a form submission. I have a form on the website. If you're a veteran and you've got PTSD, reach out. And then we, from there, we'll start a screening process. It's been streamlined and ironed out for about two years of doing this. I finally have got questionnaires that I have. We screen for contraindications with vets. If they're on medications, we have a whole cessation program before they even go. What about addictions? What if they're using heroin or They've got to be off everything, yeah. They have to get themselves off before they can yep. enter the program. Yeah, I mean, it's from a safety perspective, too. A yeah. lot of, I think Dennis McKenna talked a lot about this. I learned a lot from him and Dr. Charlie Grobe talking about contraindications. Both of whom have been on this podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, Charlie they've been Grobe in uh, UCLA. UCLA, yeah. man, that whole crowd. Yeah. Charlie, um, those guys are, are great, especially Charlie because of the psychiatry background yeah. he has. But he's he's like the main threat is SSRIs. And so yeah. we work with uh, Ayahuasca Safety Council that has a website with all the contraindication medications that pose risks. So right. I just follow that list. Once I, the veteran discloses what medications they're on, I go to that list. I'm like, all right, this one's pretty safe. This one takes about 30 days to, to metabolize out of your system. So we've got to wait 30 days. And uh, I mean, there's a number of other questions that we go over. What do you want out of this experience? Right. Um, 
When were you diagnosed with PTSD? Is it service connected? I was going to ask you that. Do they have to have a formal diagnosis? They do. Okay. Yeah. They have from to have the, the veterans? Of, uh, from the VA. VA. Or, I mean, I've had some that have gotten them while they were in service and were separated out because uh, they just failure to adapt. Right. So they were sent away with, with virtually no benefits, but they have a diagnosis. Um, so we work with we work with everybody that has struggled in some way to maintain a healthy lifestyle that they want right. to that they want to live. I even work with homeless. I've got a guy right now that uh, talks to me through email at a local library. He lives on a park bench, so I'm trying to get him going. Um, we also, from my social work background, I work with resourcing them through other veterans organizations to find housing. A guy in Utah right now. We're working with. Uh, a group called Until 22 Valhalla. It's a Nordic-based veterans group here in the U.S. that works with getting housing for veterans. So I plugged him in with him first, and we sort of work through this hierarchy of needs. Right. Abraham Maslow, and right. then once they get to a certain level, then we send them off for ego dis dis dissolution, and then putting Humpty Dumpty back together after they get back after about a year. They go through our program, and we resource them. We have. Uh, a smaller group of vets that have gone through this program and they are trained now through our program to work from a crisis team perspective so if we have a veteran who's experiencing some rough integration like the snake swallowed me and I can't I can't seem to fit that in with my you know wife's uh, relationship with me we'll work with them on a spiritual level and sort of guide them as they come back and give them the support that they need um, but really, it's the medicine that's doing the work. The ayahuasca is something that they they get out of the experience, and then we just sort of guide them along and when they get back. Do you set how many vets have gone through this at this point? 150. 150. Do they all go to the same spot in Peru? So we initially, this is part of the sustainability and pragmatic approach to this, is streamlining this treatment program. Uh, Peru is not sustainable for us. It, it just costs the so expense much damn money. The flight is, is an yeah, issue, yeah. And most of these, what, 500 vets, all of them are low income. Yeah, And so right. we have to have, we have a sponsorship scholarship program through our 501, and we just, we're like, we can't treat all 500 spending all this money. We have retreats in Peru that we work with, that we resource people if they want that experience and they don't need our help financially. but. The center that we use here in the States is called Soul Quest Church of Mother Earth, and it's a Native American church in Florida based right. out of Orlando. Uh, and the founder is Chris Young, and he's been doing this for about two years now, um, holding ceremonies every weekend. Um, so he starts from a Friday and then ends at a Sunday. So it's really for Western Western culture. Most vets don't have the capability of taking off for two weeks. Right. It's too much. Yeah. So they get three ceremonies done in a three-day period. Oh, really? Along with group integration between ceremonies. Right. And they have Western facilitators that sort of get uh, the the veteran struggles. And I've, I've act as the veteran liaison for that organization. So I provide veteran training for them. Right. So because this is a church, they have legal. Um, the legal ability to use the plant medicine. They do. So the Supreme Court uh, decision back in 1991, I want to say, when the DEA raided the uh, the one church out in, in Seattle, I want to say it was Santo Daime, mm. um, that went to the Supreme Court and they found ayahuasca based out of Brazil, that that is a recognizable church according to the FDA, or right. the, the DEA. Right. So that set precedence for 
this Native American church, which is recognized by the Native American community. And they already have the peyote waiver, I guess. They right? totally, they've already had that. Yeah. Because they're plugged into that. Right. But it's taken some, it's weird because it's almost like the DEA is saying, we're, ra we're plant racist because peyote is, is indigenous to North America, so that's how they justify Native American use. But since ayahuasca is grown in South America, they say, well, that's not indigenous to this culture. So there were some, some loopholes that the Native American church had to go through. Right, and I imagine the importation is a big yeah. issue. Well, they grow it now. Oh, Chris okay. grows vine and, and copy at his center okay. in Florida. Right. Yeah. Tropical enough. Cool. So, so just for people who are, are trepidatious about the whole legal issue here, you're not like so a vet or, or someone who wants to do this they're not native american so how does that work do they join the church they join the church that's part of our our right. partnership is they they have a website ayahuascachurches.org so this is part of the screening process once the vets make it through phase one of screening for safety to make sure that they're in a, a good enough place psychologically to, right. to go through an experience like this then we move to phase two which is I get on the phone with them. We first book the retreat, which is a, through their website. But before you even have access to the website, you have to register and become a member. So Chris has been gracious enough because of our partnership agreement to waive the membership fee. Mm -hmm. So these vets get to go through, through our vet discount code. Um, then they go to book. Once they're booked, then I go back and I book flights right immediately after based on that retreat, and then we get right. them sent down. It's that easy. So how much does it cost uh, on average for one vet to do this program, to have an access to this program? We've streamlined, so the, the membership fee was 150. We save complete, we have 100% discount on that. And then we save about $50 per weekend with the vet discount. Um, so total plus flight on average it's 500 bucks. So it's 500 bucks plus the flight. Plus the, no no it's 500 including oh, the including flight. Oh including the flight. A little, flight, a little yeah. over 500 but for the sake of round numbers 500 sponsors of that right. into this program right. to get this to get the three ceremonies and then to get a year of integration which I think is just as important as the ceremony itself right. you know as, as um, it's the, the daily practice and having the grounded community to to, to lean upon and um, you know that's one of the biggest questions that I had coming on to this is how are you having such success? How are we, how are we doing this? And do you want to talk a little bit about the integration program? I sure. think that that's a really valuable thing for the for people to hear. And Be before we get into that, I just want to say anyone who's listening to this who wants to cough up five hundred bucks, I mean that's not that that's much money. I mean that's it is money, Sponsors but it's a not. Vet and it transforms a veteran family. You're, yeah, I mean it's a major impact you're having on someone's life and that's going to radiate out into the culture Absolutely. in ways you can't even imagine in the kids lives and the wife and the family the friends i mean it's these servicemen are that's biased. a way to to make an investment that's going to really pay off yeah they're biased towards action Absolutely. and and um, you know providing this healing space and a safe space for them to to do the the work that is necessary for them to take the steps and to put the the 
pieces back together um, and, and to take their message and, and to find their purpose and, and bring that into whatever uh, avenue that they uh, they find in life. And, yeah. um, you know, so many of these, these uh, veterans, they, again, they're biased towards action. They come back home. They don't have a place. They don't have, they, they, they got the trauma. There's no one that can relate to them. They're, they're doped up on this medicine, uh, the big pharma medicine. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's, yeah, this is huge for uh, restoring and reforming and transforming these vets uh, to be of service and to be useful uh, citizens, uh, you know, and, and to be uh, putting them back to work in whatever way that they find uh, an avenue to serve. Yeah, yeah. I broke your flow there. Uh, what oh, were you, no what, worries. Yeah. No, I think that's important. I, I, we've never made that connection, like 500 bucks, you know, you can, you know 500 bucks pays for one veteran's treatment, including the integration up to a year. That was yeah. a great plug. Yeah. We were talking about the integration. Yeah. So so yeah. after the experience, so now a lot of these vets, I imagine, you know, most, most young people have had some experience smoking weed or, you know, right. certainly drinking alcohol, whatever. But for a lot of them, this is going to be an experience unlike anything they've ever had, right? <laughs> yeah. It's pretty. <laughs> yeah. This is uh, this is a whole different kind of ball game. This is yeah. sort of why I, I mean, my initial inspiration to even come out to Colorado. I got my undergrad degree in Alabama, and uh, coming out to Colorado, found Naropa through these uh, these psychedelics. I'm like, okay, cool. I can get on to Buddhism. Buddhism talks a lot about the you know the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Ramdas talked about the integrating these experiences with uh, some some Vajrayana teachings and stuff. So I came out here. And my transpersonal uh, psychology and mindfulness-based counseling experience has really played into this integration piece. Right. Helping ground vets and get them to a place of uh, holistic healing, gestalt. I do, I do all sorts of interventions with these vets when they get back, and it's really informed me what it's going to take to get these guys back into a position of thriving, not just recovery, but actually thriving. And uh, it's a year-long process. Like I said, we do uh, crisis intervention work. For vet, we have a 24-hour line with a group of vets around the country that have volunteered that uh, to split that load between us. And we call it a spiritual battle buddy system. And uh, they're standing by around the country 24 hours a day, ready for a new vet that's come through our program that needs some support. Mm. So we have that on the front end for crisis. Then really the maintenance, the spiritual maintenance, the psychological maintenance, the upkeep, uh, is encouraging vets to seek out alternative treatments. And we have a whole network of, of uh, uh, practitioners and therapists all around the country. We have Reikian therapists that work with the body, somatic re-experiencing. We have a whole uh, program with Peter Levine who works with uh, trauma and, and the body. Um, we have equine therapy, horses, uh, canine therapy, um, you said a third of the vets have yoga practices. Yoga practices yoga, now is really good integrations. Yeah. yeah, and then we have resources like uh, uh, reading material that we just, we want to start up a program through this fundraising and offer every veteran a book that, that has helped us. Like uh, Stealing Fire is one of those. It's a big book that we're really high on right now. By uh, Stephen Kotler and uh, Jamie Wheel. What's, what's uh, it about? Stealing Fire. I've heard of it. Uh, I don't know. What yeah, it is, so. really. Uh, it's a book that came out in February, and and I look at it as it's a guidebook to the um, higher states of consciousness uh, mm. uh, path, and and uh, they map uh, scientifically with brain chemicals the experiences ranging from your simple 10-minute meditation all the way to ayahuasca, and everything in between. Um, extreme sports. 
um, you know, uh, what else do they do? Uh, you know, booze, coffee, all these different ways that we're looking to get out of our head. Sound, mm. Um, mm. you know, um, sex. sexuality. Yeah. Yes, sex. Yeah. Yes. Don't forget Dawn. sex. Yes, indeed, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> love it, man. That's that's my yeah. that's my weakness. I love that. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, okay. So, so anytime we're talking about asking people for money, if I give you, if I give a hundred bucks to your organization, tell me again the name of the organization. Veterans for Entheogenic Therapy. Veterans for Entheogenic, and that's or the vet. website. That is no. The website is vetentheogenic.org. Vetentheogenic.org. Yep. Okay. So I go to that website. There's a donate button. I donate a yep. hundred bucks. How much of that goes to the vets? How much goes to Overhead, whatever. All of it to the vets. All right of now. it to the vets. Yeah. All of it. Go, you guys don't pull a salary out. No, of that. no. In time, when we're when we're sustainable and we're really rocking and rolling, uh, we were just talking about that last night. That will, when the time's right, uh, you know, Ryan. Uh, you know, it's a single dad with two kids, and um, you know, this is a big chunk of time and, this and is energy. A huge chunk of time, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So when the time's right, you know, to, to get him a, a, a fair and, and modest, uh, you know, salary for the work that he's doing for holding space, right. uh, which is is uh, is totally justifiable. Uh, but right now, everything is going towards uh, the uh, ceremonies, the retreats in uh, Florida, and for transportation. Great, and it's a nonprofit, so that stuff is public information. Yes. So yeah, yep, I mean, I'm bylaws. sitting here with you guys. I I can see you're not full of shit, but I want people that <laughs> who aren't here to you know. Well, thank you. We got to talk about that. Yes, you know? indeed. Because there are a lot of organizations. You know, hey, we're helping the children, right. and yeah, right. The children never see a fucking penny of that. You know, it's. A, bunch of bullshit yeah, yeah. i so. always see that like the the help the the african kids and i'm like well the cameraman can give the kid a sandwich can yeah. he yeah you know? yeah <laughs> exactly well it's uh, our it's our vision um you know and, and it's a realistic vision to uh to knock out this this list of 500 get them the therapy that they desperately need um and 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 ryan has a vision of having a uh, a ranch a farm down in florida and uh, potentially, uh, you know, taking a chapter from this church and uh, creating a veteran-ran organization. Um, right. Not specifically ayahuasca, but uh, holistic therapies. We right. get a bunch of horses. Because you're outsourcing stuff yeah. now, right? So to have your own Bring facility. Bring it all in and uh, empower the veterans to, right. uh, to be a part of this and, um, you know, uh, to, to be in a position uh, possibly to systematically heal you know 30 to 50 a weekend 50 to 100 I don't know uh, what what we'll see how this all plays out but uh, we we did the math last night there's 3 million veterans from Iraq and Afghanistan uh, the VA says that 10% of them have PTSD that's 300,000 vets with PTSD that number as we all know could be double I don't know so let's say you know between 300 and 600,000 people have PTSD uh, and, and are really really struggling there's a huge need for it and um, and we think that, that that getting something more streamlined um, to to help more at a time right now we're we're doing you know five to ten a month and we're trying to pick up the pace obviously with with more funding and we will be picking up the pace as uh, the don donations roll in but long term that's a viable uh, vision that we have and uh, I think that Ryan would be the perfect guy to hold space and to, and to run that uh, from like an executive director standpoint and uh, we have a, a huge group of people that that um, we foresee stepping up and 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 having this be, you know, again a veteran-ran organization that that really does 
great work, healing work. Have you reached out to any potential corporate sponsors? Uh, we haven't as of yet, no. Um, no that's an in that would be yeah. interesting to see w hmm. what kind of companies would be happy to be associated with this kind of thing. I, I think it's you know, hmm. a great opportunity for the right company. I think so too. I think so too, and I, I appreciate the suggestion. Yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're putting our, we're open to, yeah, here. we're open to all suggestions and, and Patagonia. Uh, Patagonia, Patagonia, you know, because yeah, I, I have a buddy who's sponsored by Patagonia, um, Kyle Tierman, who's on the podcast. He's a big wave surfer, and we nice. we've been hanging out a lot, and we're talking about because I'm kind of like anti corporate. I don't accept advertising on the podcast and all I this. Love and, it. But we've been talking about how he's really happy to be sponsored by them because they really get involved in stuff. You know, cool. they're super involved in. Uh, buying up land that they then set aside as nature wow. reserves, and they're suing the Trump administration for uh, you know trying to take away public lands, and you know they, they're getting involved in the political process. And the founders of the company and the culture of the company is very much like they even say like don't buy don't buy shit you don't need. You know, right on the catalog, it's That's like, awesome. you know, don't buy something you're not going to actually wear, you know, wear it out. What a great Wear it until it's gone. Yeah. yeah. That's part That's of their awesome. mission. I have a, a, a coat that's four years old. When you buy a Patagonia, you don't need to buy another one. Well, that's, that's the truth. Because it's and, real. And if, if, there's, if a seam breaks or whatever, you can take it, it to yeah. any Patagonia yeah. store and they'll fix it. Yeah, that's great. With a smile on their face. Yeah, yeah. yeah and then they're actually happy that you're fixing the old one rather than buying a new one. So they're almost like an anti-consumerist awesome. company, you know? Yeah, that's, it's great. Yeah. It's a great free market model. That right. Know, word of mouth is right. what brings people back and it's needs-based, supply and demand. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that. and there's a way, I mean, it, it. I had the minimalists on the podcast. Do you know those guys? Do you know who they are? It sounds familiar. The, well, they're, they're sort of riding this wave, this cultural wave of people who are like, I got too much shit. Right. Why do you have so much shit? You need, how many shirts do you need? Five <laughs> shirts? Really? In your life, you need five shirts, right? And uh, so th there's this whole sort of movement of people who are just dumping their shit, moving into a van or a tiny house and That's just like, ass. yeah, just That's pare cool. your life down to the essentials. And then you've got time and money and freedom which are the things that really are right. going to make you happy. That's wealth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's your wealth. Yeah. I love it. And so when you do that, then you've got, it's like the idea, people would say, well, Patagonia is expensive. Yeah, but if you're buying one thing instead of five things, yeah. instead of having to replace your suddenly jacket, it's not expensive yeah, it's anymore. Quality, not quantity. That's it. Yeah. Quality, not quantity. You ever read Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance? No. Yeah, that's it's on my list. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that's a big, uh, a big point down. there. It's about quality or over quantity um so so ryan let, let's get back into your your personal trajectory because i, I okay. feel like we just sort of skimmed over the surface there but there's there's got to be some interesting twists and turns in your story so you grew up in a military family and yeah. you so your dad your grandfather both in the service you like you knew you were going into the service i take it yeah like i initially school. I initially wanted to go to the Air Force Academy here in Colorado and become an officer and sort of one-up what my dad did. Uh, he was enlisted, so he spent yeah. 20 years as a striper, and I wanted to do the officer thing. Right. Um, so I started community college and, and was working toward that, and uh, you know, 9-11 was something that really stood out to me. Mm -hmm. In 2001, I was a freshman in high school. And I, I had four buddies that wanted to go in with me after I swore in for the Marine Corps. 
after I graduated high school and they all four joined with me. Childhood friends, we all joined together and went to Paris Island and became Marines. And that's just been, that's part of my legacy. I've always been active in, uh, in sports and, and uh, training myself and, you know, MMA, mixed martial arts. And it's my warrior spirit, you know, and that the Marine Corps offered me a way to, uh, to channel that and to be of service as well and to carry the torch for my dad and his right. service. So, right. yeah, it is a lineage for sure, the veteran identity. Do you have siblings? I do. I have a brother who joined the Army after I left, um, and I've got three other siblings as well. Mm. An older brother, an older sister, and uh, my younger brother is a soldier, and then I have a young 15-year-old uh, brother right now. So we're a family of five siblings. And are, are your brothers, I mean, you said your one brother joined the Army. Is your younger brother considering joining the military, or is he going a different uh, way? He's more IT. He, yeah. likes the, he likes the IT world. He right. likes building computers and breaking them down. Right. So I, I was into that, but I also had this, you know, stay active, stay outside, stay connected, and, and uh, my warrior spirit really shined through there. So how do you interpret warrior spirit at this point in your life? Um, it's just the, so the warrior heart is, is something I help vets through our program cultivate. And it's just this idea that we take a willingness to turn toward chaos um, when others, you know, in, in our society choose not to. We always, we always push ourselves beyond limits right. and are willing to endure hardships as a way through. We always see suffering as an opportunity to grow. And we always t turn toward those experiences versus like turning away from. It goes back to the Shambhala training too. Right. It's a lot of warriorship in that program. So it's not a it's not a macho, kick ass kind of thing. It's more it's more of a spiritual courage and right. face your dragons, yeah. whether your dragon be an external enemy or something within yourself within. that's absolutely blocking your growth or. So yeah. do you feel, is there a conflict in your life between, I, I mean, I, I, I don't, sometimes I have a camera, you know, that I right. even bring it because I'm trying to travel light here, but gotcha. I, 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 we need to take pictures so people see you because you don't look like what you sound like. I don't. No. Okay. I mean, I've gotten that before. Yeah, I'm sure. I yeah. mean, if somebody you know sees you walking down the street, they've got a mental image of you that does not include <laughs> Buddhism and you, right. know, <laughs> you know, sort of internal growth and all that kind of shit. Um, but is there a conflict? I mean, do you, do you or is there is this just a natural progression in your life? I see how the warrior spirit applies to the Marine Corps and Naropa and what you're doing now. Mm -hmm. But in your life, was there a point where you sort of were like, oh shit, wait, I'm turning in a new direction here? Or is it just um, a continuation? I think it was uh, the entheogenic, really what stuck out for me in creating that uh, entheogenic therapy was that experience with ayahuasca showed me what I already had within myself. So was that your first experience with the hallucinogen? Was ayahuasca? It was DMT originally. Do you smoke DMT? No, not regularly. No, I did you. I, yeah. So your first sort of foray into this world was smoke DMT. Yeah, it was in Alabama. Uh, I was going to community college and a friend turned me on to it in class and he's like, yeah, I was seeing these fractals and machine elves and all this Terrence McKenna talk and I'm like, dude, this is wild. 
and I didn't have any direction in college. I was just sort of going for the mm. VA benefits to pay the bills to feed my family. And right. It just after that DMT experience, a month later, I started vet and I started. I had really? a huge vision. Yeah. Wow. DMT so that is was the reason. Pivotal. Yeah, that was it, man. That first experience with it. Yeah, I had. Uh, I don't want to get too you know sure. transpersonal yeah. with, the, with the crowd, but it was a three beings in front of me that I, I commune with and talk to and the end result was that you know you don't need any more information from these realms if you're if you want compassion for all beings and to take the the warrior path to compassion was to sort of not pursue knowledge and just yeah. be in your your own experience and speak from your heart so I started that and it's been the whole message is like be here, be present. I started Ram Dass books and listening to TED Talks about ayahuasca and Ram Hancock, and I just started connecting dots. Listening to a lot of Pink Floyd? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> little Pink Floyd, Pink little Floyd, Hendrix. Man. Hendrix, yeah. Yeah, you're going to have dreadlocks, man. you got to grow your hair out. I don't know. I'm, I, I've still I've tried to fight it, but you know, I'm, I'm conservative at heart. I'm a libertarian, and yeah. I kind of like... Uh, very conservative values, very traditional Christian follower, and it's this this work and, and hanging out with hippies has helped enhance my own side. And right, maybe I give some some uh, some of what I am to other yeah. people. Yeah, sort of bridge the the two worlds that seem to be so polar opposite. Well, I think the the problem that speaking from the hippie side of the equation, I yeah. think the the problem with integrating those things, those two worlds, is that often the conservative world is seen as not welcoming right to not open-minded right yeah like to homosexuals to black people to the immigrants or whatever it is yeah but you you seem like a very welcoming guy so hmm. you know as i i've seen bullshit on both sides i've oh, I definitely Europa. i've seen hippies that that are look at me as the like you said yeah. i look different than i right. talk right and they already have that judgment that right like this is an alpha male from cisgender white exactly republican exactly. guy from alabama and yeah. he's he's the perpetrator and he's he's a baby i've been you. called baby killer but from wearing this hat at naropa and i'm like it's <laughs> coming from the tolerant left man yeah exactly like, okay yeah so it's no, yeah you're right I, I call that shit out all the time like <laughs> hippies because i don't look like a hippie Right, no. you know, I don't know what the fuck I look like at this point. You look but like I, a connoisseur with the hat, man. I love it. A fucking safari, <laughs> you know. I don't know what the fuck I look like, but uh, you know, I've never looked like a hippie, and right. so I'd be hanging out with hippies, and they got the dreadlocks and their fucking didgeridoos or whatever, <laughs> and they look at me like, you know, like I'm not legit, and it's like fuck you, people, you know, right? Because so many yeah. people, it's like they're not, they just they're just whatever the culture, like it's they look thing. around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to. I had a girlfriend once who, she was much younger than me, but she was, she wanted to buy hippie clothes. And she's like, where can I buy hippie clothes? I want to, like, I want to look like a hippie. I was like, I just don't fashion. I don't think that's. That's the same that's not behavior the idea. outside of the box that she likely had inside the box. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fashion. Yeah. And I, yeah, I bring this fashion, up in, exactly. in, in uh, counter transference at, at Naropa. We, we do so much internal work in these circles just because we have to work on ourselves to be good, effective therapists. Sure. Yeah. So I always bring up, like, this, this idea that uh, if. If we could, as as rich white people in this culture that that you know spout liberalism, we're really just wearing Buddhism around our neck, 
that Buddhists in, in Tibet really live this lifestyle. It's not just a fashion statement right. because it's cool. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 It's, it's like yoga wear. It's like, really? You're just walking around when you're fucking yoga wear and you're mad. Yeah. yeah, yoga pants. What is it? Yeah. More yoga pants are worn outside of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I know, okay, we've made hot. fun of the hippies, yeah. we've made fun of the conservatives. Right. I, think, I think we got it. We've covered our bases there. So <laughs> you you weren't deployed overseas? No, I right? wasn't. Okay, yeah, um, because you know a lot of people would say, well, you know, this guy must have had PTSD. That's what led him into this. You weren't deployed overseas, but I'm thinking about your service carrying coffins. That's pretty fucking Daddy. traumatic. Yeah. But do you? Do you feel that, that did you suffer that kind of, I mean, I is wouldn't there say, I mean, I've had, I've been on the VA meds. I was, I had my own um, syndrome of depression and I went through spouts of survivor's guilt and like right. letting well, other Marines down because exactly. I got selected because I had the jawline and I looked the part that I went to DC to be a pretty boy, poster boy. Right. I wanted to be in the fighting halls with the infantry guys. That's why I joined the infantry. Right. But um, really what I'm starting to find with these 150 vets is that the combat experiences or adversity of some kind, including military sexual trauma, which is what we treat with women and who are veterans, it goes back even further. It's the commonality behind all of these vets that are suffering from treatment resistance, PTSD, is the fact that they've, had, they've come from broken homes. They've got childhood trauma. 90, almost 100%, man, that I treat have had some type of abuse, neglect. They're uh, adult children of alcoholics of, of some kind. They've suffered abuse. Right. And so the resiliency isn't there when they get back because they didn't have the family structure leaving to begin with. So they get back and they're not connected. They don't know how to, to keep themselves afloat and learn healthy coping styles so they get addicted. So drugs is that, you know, it, secure attachment to mom or dad that they didn't have. Right. So we just, from a psychotherapy point of view, I'm starting to see now that attachment styles is something I really delve into with these vets and try to help them find healthier coping styles and harm reduction. Because not all vets, when they get back, they don't stop smoking weed. But I say weed's better than opiates and weed's better than these anti-anxiolytics that they're... Booze. And better than fucking booze, man. So it's a, there's a lot of moving parts but really for me it was seeing my dad's trauma um, from the first Gulf War that he experienced mortars and and saw dead bodies in Saudi Arabia and Iraq and uh, you know that was passed on from his dad who was an Iwo Jima Marine at 16 years old he might grandfather lied about his age to go fight the Japanese he was 16 carrying carrying an M1 up a fucking hill the bloodiest battle in, in Marine Corps history and survived it hmm. and uh, sure enough that got passed on right and now I have a chance to stop it and, right. and really recalculate and recalibrate how I'm parenting I've got two sons now and hmm. I can say that some of the stuff I've been able to take out from what my dad passed on right so it's really it's a combination but the main thing is is that these vets just don't have the resiliency from childhood that they needed early on that's a really interesting point. I hadn't thought about that. You, you sort of, when you hear about PTSD and vets, you think, well, it's something that happened in theater, and now, you know, that's where it started. Right. But 
you no. know, you're showing that it now it's, it's five to goes ten years much deeper. And yeah, yeah, it's what broke the camel's back. Right, the combat because they're like, oh shit, my now I've got hyper arousal. Now, right. I'm, now I'm, I've got survivor's guilt. Yeah. I maybe lost somebody over there. It's compounded. It's really and good complex. Point. Yeah, because I've heard people talk about like, well, you never know. Like some guys they'll have the same experience, and one guy's really messed up, and the other guy just right. goes on. Go look at their. Who history. knows? Yeah, it's yep. look at their background, their I history, coping mechanisms. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought about that. Huh? Yeah. Crazy. Um, I, is there something you got notes here? Is there something that, that um, we haven't covered? I'm. I feel like uh, we've got the the story pretty well. Yeah. But I don't want to miss I, anything. I'd love to give a shout out to my dear friend Nick Fulton, who claims that he's listened to every single one of your podcasts. <laughs> hey, Nick. Yes. So uh, is Nick sending me money? Uh, I I don't know. Nick, you better be on that fucking Patreon <laughs> supporter list, there, Nick. So he's been a good supporter of, of that, and his partner uh, Kelsey, um, you know, works at Strength and Horses Equine Therapy in London. And she's looking to set up, uh, you know, programs, uh, equine assisted therapy for veterans, and um, you know, she's looking to get the ball rolling on that as well. So I thought Love I'd give it. her a plug. In London, England. In London, yeah, they're both in London. Um, so for UK veterans. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We're not sending American cowboys over to London <laughs> to play with horses. We got our own goddamn horses. <laughs> we did. American horses over here. Yeah, so, uh, okay, I just want to, I'll have your website on my, uh, on, on my site, links to your website and the, the Laura Ling thing, and uh, whatever else. Oh, we the resources. Lisa, Lisa Ling, yeah, yeah we've Lisa got plenty Ling, of Lisa PR yeah. stuff for you to fill in. Yeah, good, all right. Uh, yeah, and you know what, might as well just announce it. I've, I was thinking, I didn't know whether to say it out loud or not, but let's say it. Uh, this podcast will donate 500 bucks. So people who yeah, are thank you. sending in money, appreciate some it. of it's going to these guys. Thank you yep. very much. So I really appreciate join it. it. Thank you very much. All right. It's not a precedent. Doesn't mean we're going to get 500 bucks to every goddamn <laughs> guest who comes on the podcast. <laughs> Just you guys. All right. That's thanks. Great. Thanks, thanks, really thanks for having us on. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you for hanging out. Uh, if you'd like to support the podcast and are financially able, go to patreon.com and search for Tangentially Speaking. You enter your credit card, tell them you want to give me a buck, five bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, 50 bucks, 200 bucks, and then they'll just automatically ding your credit card and you don't have to think about it again. Uh, if you don't have uh, the money to do that, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Tell your friends about the podcast, write a review on iTunes, or just enjoy the podcast. It doesn't matter. I want to thank Basin and Range for that intro music. The song's called Bright Side of the Sun. And you can check them out at basinandrangeband.com. If you want to talk about the podcast, you can go to Reddit, where there are a few thousand people chatting about the podcast. Uh, I drop in and answer questions, post photos, uh, whatever. Pretty cool community there. Another forum where you can meet fellow listeners to this podcast is at t eight. No, sorry, tspeaking.boardhost.com. This has been set up by a listener to enable people to um, register and uh, their different states and countries so you can find people who live near you, get together, have a beer, smoke a bowl, eat some mushrooms, dance under the moonlight, however you celebrate these things. You'll find uh, like-minded spirits on that. It's Again, it's tspeaking.boardhost.com.
dot com and uh if you want to get some t-shirts we have the civilized to death shirts sex at dawn shirts tangentially speaking shirts they're all in my mom's garage she will get them out to you in a jiffy julie my mom is one of the most efficient people you will ever meet so you can find those on my website that chris ryan chris ryan phd.com tangentially speaking.com whatever you'll find them just look in the store there if you want to buy some other t-shirts from the same manufacturer that sure design t-shirts shirts. They are fantastic. I know I say this is an ad-free podcast uh, and this could be construed as an ad, but Sure Design t-shirts have been supporting this podcast since its inception. Bennett, who was the dude there, decided he was going to support the podcast. He sent me a bunch of shirts uh, at an extreme discount to uh, help us out. Since Bennett died, the people who took over SureDesignT-shirts.com have decided to continue giving us the same deal that Bennett gave us. So be sure to use the discount code CTD, as in civilized to death, when you order anything from them and you'll get 20%, 20% off your entire order. That's the discount code CTD. And that's at SureDesignTshirts.com. Thank you to Carsey Blanton for the song you're about to hear. You can check her out at CarseyBlanton.com. She performed this little ditty, especially for us. Sounds like she was sitting in her garage. You can hear the birds chirping. The song is called Smoke Alarm, and it's a reminder to live now because you're going to die one day. This is for you guys, Bennett and Justin. Miss you. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm going to die one day. Why do you waste your time thinking about your reputation? Trying to meet an expectation, wondering what they're gonna say. When everyone you've ever known is headed for a headstone. I don't want to give the end away, but we're gonna die one day. Your body is an animal, doesn't ask for much A little music and a soft touch Why don't you let it out to play? Your heart is in a birdcage, singing in your chest You wanna shut it up but give it a rest You're gonna die one day Take you up in my arms And 
if we must go down We'll go singing to the smoke alarms We'll dance into the ground